This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Quote Ridley Scott's movie, Gladiator, Are You Not Entertained? Are You Not Entertained? The first week of the wrestling quote-unquote wars are behind us. AEW and NXT have gone head-to-head. Raw has revealed their new announcing team, and SmackDown has a completely new look. This is Shake Them Ropes. I'm Jeff Hawkins, along with Chris Novembrino. I loved Gladiator, Jeff. Uh, they had that guy, Marcus Aurelius. Great <laughs> quotes from that guy in that movie. I do like it. I, I like I like the movie. I don't love the movie. Um, it's a little too... It, it, it takes a little bit too much from Spartacus for my liking. Um, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That joke was from Don't Worry About the Government, which you can find over at Don'tworry.tv. I, we're doing Shake the Ropes right now. Let's let's get into it. We got a, we got a wrestling war going on here, Hawkins. Yeah, uh... Since it's not our lane, even though we can go wherever we want because we are Shake Them Ropes, I want to do... I watched AEW. Um, it seemed a, a lot... I did, too. I, I, I did. I, I ended up watching it. Uh, we, we could get into that. A lot of people, it seems, watched it over NXT. I think too many people are out over their skis over how big a deal this is. I think it was... I think it's the new factor. No way. I mean, Look, you know me, Chris. I am no WWE apologist by any means. I want them to die as much as any man. Um, <laughs> the main roster is pretty yeah. horrible, and I think we're going to cover that in fairly good detail here with Raw and SmackDown. They killed my favorite wrestling promotion twice, so I have no no corporate fealty towards the WWE, but I, I, you know, here, look at the demographics. Look at the Raw breakdown. Look at this. I think there was just a curiosity factor to see, okay, are they going to fall on their face? They obviously didn't. Is this going to be something new and exciting? And is this going to be something cool and fun to watch? And I think the answer to that question is yes. That's where the real interest actually occurs, right? Yeah, no, I I think this first week number, you had NXT, which... One, everyone knows what NXT is about as a brand. They know the faces, they know the places, they know the characters. Two, we also now know, because we're like three weeks into this project, what the NXT two-hour live experience is going to be like. So there was nothing new on the NXT show, although I thought it was pretty darn good. And it I'm was actually, very good, I thought, yeah. I, I, get, I get why people who are very big fans of AEW have a bit of an emotionally vested interest in the narrative, including the NXT show is not very good. That, to me, is not necessarily grounded in reality. But I think people are checking out at AEW because it's something new. Um, and they want to see what they what they want to watch. But I also think, based on the way they're doing NXT, there will eventually be a bit of a channel-flipping thing. And for me, as someone who is not emotionally invested in either one of these brands, um, like, I have just as many problems. I probably have more problems with WWE than AEW. Uh, yeah, particularly with their Saudi Arabia shows. Um, so, like, for someone like me, the, the great liberation factor as the consumers, I now can channel-flip. If something is boring me on one channel, boom, out. Let's go and watch the other thing. I love that. That's a great feeling. Would be remiss if I did not plug our AEW-centric show on the Voices of Wrestling Network. That's Everything Elite. 
I believe it comes out every Thursday, but I believe sometimes they push it to Friday, depending on when they can record. Uh, those guys do great work over there. Going to plug them, uh, add to your podcast feed, because you'll be able to mix and match their responses to AEW with our responses to NXT and occasionally AEW. Um, I'm going to put one more note out there because those people who are our Patreon subscribers are admittedly neglected Patreon in, in some ways, but uh, we did do post shows after uh, Double or Nothing, I believe it was. And, and we'll do more of those along the way here. There's more high voltage coming or high, not high voltage, <laughs> high wattage. <laughs> I'm going to get the name right to that show one of these times. Yeah. No, the point I wanted to make was our big com- one of our big complaints was the commentary issue on AEW. And pursuant to my loves in wrestling, I think they solved it on this first episode. I think Tony Schiavone doing the heavy lifting allowed JR to do what he does best, which is kind of weird emotional color commentary i i say weird not in that he's being weird but it's it's not a he's not a straight play-by-play guy and he's not really a color guy and he's not really a storyteller either like what he's doing is like a partisan boostering yes. of the baby face yes, it's a bit david crockett but it's a little bit more of the playing on the emotional aspects of how you should be feeling right now by describing how those people are reacting in the ring. Yeah, it's not what's going on on the screen right now. It's how you should be processing what's going on on the screen right now. Now, um, yeah, and, and Excalibur and Tony get along real well, and they can both throw to JR. And that problem, it seems, at least for one week, has taken care of itself. Now to get more into the WWE-centric stuff, I thought between AEW and NXT, the lack of promos was stunning to me. It's all pure wrestling, and if it's going to be that, it feels like they've been taking, and I know some companies do, have been taking advice from Dave Meltzer, who I respect his opinion a lot, but his opinion has always been, or his biases right now are towards New Japan and Pro Wrestling Guerrilla, and neither of those shows, their big shows, they don't do promos either. It's just strict wrestling and great in-ring and great in-ring. And I I think that's a mistake to go that route as a as a uh, – I mean, I know they'll, they'll adjust. Both companies are now going to be in adjustment periods in the next three or four weeks as they try and build audience and try and hold on to what they have. But, yeah, when I think of the Monday Night Wars, a big part of – yes, a big joy of the Monday Night Wars, um, also sometimes the great tedium of the Monday Night Wars, are long in-ring promos. However, some of those <laughs> included included some of the best crazy old man Ric Flair stuff you'll ever mm-hmm. see on television. So some of that stuff was deeply, deeply captivating. And to your point, Jeff, I, I think – Two hours of just straight in-ring, not saying that's going to be like that on NXT or on AEW every week. It does get a little bit of diminishing returns. So I do like having that good mid-show, especially on your TV, a good mid-show angle that is not really done by wrestling, but is done rather by acting and storytelling. We'll get to the ratings news as we go along here. Um, a couple of notes. Uh, looks like Scarlett Bordeaux has signed a contract with NXT or with WWE. That's uh, it's going to be interesting. 
She is a. Why is it going to be interesting, Jeff? She is a smoke show, and uh, that's her gimmick. Uh, I'm not just saying that because I've said that about beautiful women before. Uh, oh, I thought this was. I thought we were going to hang out afterwards, maybe like behind the arena. And she's a blonde, at least for now. Uh, I, li- oh, okay. I liked her better as a redhead personally, out. but uh, you know, you be you. Uh, looks like NXT is trying to build a Japan territory, according to the Wrestling Observer. I don't know how far that will go because Japan has. It's been a thing they've always been somewhat interested in. The whole Shinsuke Nakamura thing. If people can remember, I know it seems like eons ago and Shinsuke feels like a non-entity now. But at the time when Shinsuke was signed to WWE, this was around the same time as they were doing the Beast in the East special, which was very, very good. Recommend going back and checking that out. Um, But. The idea was this was the start of some sort of NXT Asia, NXT Japan sort of thing. And yeah, I think there are a number of issues with Japan, not the least of which I think is that WWE also wants to be in China as well. Yeah, that that I mean, China is one of those, like we say, politically <laughs> complicated type of deals i especially if you want to be in japan as well yeah. i'm not even talking about in a vacuum yeah. <laughs> which is also politically complicated is, japan for their system and for their country they don't really need it they don't need a wwe feeder system because they have so many smaller feeder systems um attached to training schools in japan you know new japan dojo you know, DDT, I believe, has one. Dragon Gate, I believe, has one. You know, th- there's just... I guess it's more premised on the idea that there might be a market. And to I me, think I is. think there... I don't think there is. And I think that there probably was more of a market 10 years ago when you could bring over John Cena. Yeah, I mean, you could... It's it's weird. There, there are guys over there, and they're mostly in your sumo dojos right now. But I, I'm thinking of a guy like Kitamura who is just this giant jack dude who's no longer really wrestling. I think he went back to bodybuilding. That's a WWE guy. That's a guy who's not going to be a very good wrestler, but is a good spectacle type of guy. Um, Yeah, I, I, I just don't see the market for it. I think WWE would be best to grow elsewhere if they're going to start these territories. Or, as we'll, as we'll see when we get to WWE NXT UK... Uh, contract. <laughs> um, yeah. So the oh wait, wait, they they still ran NXT UK, huh? Yeah, they did, and they that's, they actually taped this still week. Happen, they huh? taped this week. Uh, that's know, another yeah. piece of yeah, news. No, it was a hell of a show. Um, due to the announcing shakeups, uh, Tom Phillips, now your new voice of NXT UK. Uh, Byron Saxton still missing in action. Poor missing in action Byron <laughs> Saxton. <laughs> so the new uh, the new main roster shows I thought were a tale of two cities. I really liked SmackDown a lot, and I did not like Raw all that much, other than the first fifteen minutes or so. It <laughs> I call it the everyone was really down on SmackDown on the internet. Were they? So it was like. Yes. Oh, yeah. There was a lot of slag on my Twitter feed for SmackDown, and I hadn't watched it yet because it's Friday night, and I tend to go and do some other things before I sit down and watch wrestling. Um, but I popped it on afterwards because I was kind of like you know, checking Twitter occasionally while I was out and about, and I didn't think it was that bad of no, a show. It wasn't. Like people were like, "Oh, The Rock and his trademark brand of humor." He wasn't 
funny. I wasn't like, oh, that was, you know, oh, it was great. He also wasn't a grandpa either. It was like what people come to expect from The Rock. He was able to get over, and I thought the rub for Becky Lynch was pretty solid. And I'll tell you something, Baron Corbin's getting a rub out of this. Yeah, I know he is. He is. And if people aren't seeing that, they're not seeing the forest for the trees. Look, it's a ridiculous chant, but he's going to try to make it something. Uh, STD's not sticking. It, I think it might. It's like what? You think it might? It's like the what chant. It it might. God, boy, then it'll be a chant that sticks that I low-key hate, kind of like too sweet. Look, I will understand the criticism for it being a little try-hard at times, and that segment almost went completely off the rails because Corbin corpsed at that first rock line, and rock started to chuckle, and it was like, uh uh-oh, but they got it back which was good. That, that's a pure acting note. I'm the only one, I think, who picked up on that in terms of the people in my feed. Uh, but no, it helped Becky, it helped Baron Corbin, it helped the new guys, and it gave people the moment that they kind of want. They kind of want to see a rock because he's one of the few guys who you bring back, and he's important. They did not get to see the advertised Steve Austin or Undertaker because they weren't there which was interesting. Uh, some people calling it a bait and switch. I would say, look, they've been on TV the past few weeks. You didn't need them. I think Vince's formula, we got a flash of it here for Mania, is something like Rock, Brock, Batista. In his mind, this is how he's going to shake things up to have like a really big show. I don't know that that's necessarily going to work. There is a lot of, in my opinion, you can see this on both Raw and SmackDown, but in different ways. A lot of what I would typify as old man thinking and an old man thinking about what a young man might be into sort of thing going on here. Um, can we can we get like a little armchair psychology for a moment? Yeah, here? I was going to feed it to you when I was talking about Raw in terms of the... Uh <laughs> the, okay, no, the Bobby let's Lashley just get into it. angle. But. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's talk about all the cuck angles. So, Jeff, <laughs> what's going on in Vince's personal life right now? Um, he is separated from his wife. Uh, to my yeah, you, what, what are the rumors? What are the rumors of that? The rumor is he keeps a separate. Re- they both keep separate residences. Yeah, maybe she's kind of not so into him anymore, and kind of spicing things up. A little bit of transference going on here on the main roster. I don't think this is a recency thing, though. I mean, because Vince has always been obsessed with with not only... No, I'm talking about broken marriages, dude. It's not the, oh, it's it's not the no, racial no, 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 angle. No, I was gonna, I was going to, I was going to fold into that, too. He, he loves, he loves embarrassing couples by making women make out with other guys in front of them. He loves that stuff. That's style. a power thing. Yes. That's a power thing. But he also loves the racial component to it. He did it with Sonny and Farouk. He did it with Trish Stratus and, and Shelton Benjamin at one point. He's made jokes with Bobby Lashley during this run about Bobby Lashley like hooking up with other men's girlfriends. Yes. Like, like So he does like that, and there is a thing about a black man and a white yes. woman, which is also, I, I saw on the internet this week, that is one of the more searched terms um, in the southeastern part of the United States when it comes time for pornography. Fun fact. Why did you look that up? <laughs> We're having a great... Great show yet again, and it's time for our mid-show review. It's going well. The commentary on Raw, I'm going to start with Raw, and then I'll go to SmackDown. Um, I, Jerry Lawler, it's so funny because you and I were talking to each other throughout the show, and it appeared at one point Vic and Dio Madden just decided, I'm not, we're not having any of this Jerry Lawler crap on our show. 
Um, <laughs> a, they, <laughs> they, they, yeah, I they, Vic, and it wasn't just Dio. No, uh, Vic, we, Vic, I, I, Vic went. Is that a, is no? There Vic a, was also very checked out on is Jerry. That a, as well. Is that a Jerry Lawlerism or something like that? At one point, you just went, "Oh man, okay." With the fat guy jokes yes. with Otis and Tucker, it, it's pissing me off. It, it's obnoxious. Otis looks the way he looks. I even think Otis out of the unitards, like some sort of weird rib on him. And I love that this guy is owning it, but it annoys the hell it out works of me against that them. you can't it works that against you the can't look at those two guys and get them over for their force and for their power and these moves that they do that no one else on the roster can do and their athleticism at their size especially tucker knight tucker knight's a really gifted wrestler He's um, and, and, i mean <laughs> yeah and otis is is an entertaining charismatic yes. and powerful dude as well so i it just it's really frustrating the heavy machinery thing I didn't think it was going to bother me as much as it's starting to bother me. But I, I can't believe we're in 2020 and we're not looking at these dudes as powerhouses. We're instead only reducing them down to Chris Farley fat. Shows. Yes. I know, and that was my fear when they first got brought up and it, it, they're going to dress them up in a small coat. And, and all the, I mean, it. I could not believe Jerry Lawler said that, that it meant he would. I mean, not, not just the fat joke. But the fat joke that made Otis seem lazy, and it's just like you are working against all the goodwill that this guy has built. It's like what he did to Taz when he was on commentary with JR in like week two. He goes, how can, how can you believe a guy that short can beat anybody up? And it just absolutely killed Taz. I had never thought about Taz's size up until the yes, happened I just on thought WWF he was, TV. I, just thought he was an I thought he was a killer. Yes. Yeah. Oh, dude, on, on ECW, he's presented like he's a murderer. This guy is insane. He's going to kill everyone. That Taz mission, the way people would sell it. Oh, yeah. Taz. Uh, he was awesome at ECW. And they immediately, and even that Kurt Angle debut match, that was also awesome. Yes. Uh, and then, yeah, Lawler. So the 15, first 15 minutes of Raw were really the only thing noteworthy for me. I uh, Look, Brock destroying dudes is great. Brock destroying Ray is great. Brock destroying Dominic, pulling him out of the crowd, is great. What's not great is every baby face staying in the back and only being self-involved and going, yeah, my sympathies are with him, but I have things to do. I could not believe that. I think it was. Yes. The weirdest part was the backstage angle yes. where everyone's giving these pathos drenched asides. On one level, you go in your brain, modern improvement. Normally, WWE doesn't have any follow through with any of the like big angles or anything. It doesn't seem to affect anyone backstage. No one comments at, on the news that's happening in their little world as it's occurring. Okay, that's good. And then when they start commenting, you go, yeah, but if you respect that guy so much, then bow up for the dude. No one's angry about it either. I mean, they, they, no one wants a piece of Brock either. No one wants a piece no of one's Brock. Like, oh, man. No yeah, one's upset I, about this. No one's like, why are we why are we allowing these types of things to happen? It, it's 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 more of the armchair psychology. Who's your control on this show? Well, it's armchair psychology again with, with Vince that good guys, especially especially your alpha good guys are alpha. And they shouldn't need any help to overcome the odds and stuff. It's the Gary Cooper mentality from High Noon, 
Although Gary Cooper was looking for help the entire time and no one would give it to him. So he had to stand down the gang alone. It's a ridiculous thing that Vince has in his mind that heroes can't have friends, that friends are there to be used. And well, the problem with friendship is you have to accommodate yes. and give to someone else. So how alpha is that? You know what's alpha, Jeff? Alpha is me telling you how shit will be. I mean, if you compare this to an old territory, if this was happening to Ray and Dominic, you'd have 10 guys like Denny Brown and Sam Houston in the Italian Stallion running down to try to help, and Brock would destroy them all as well. This is where Hawkins and Ryder come out, not to bag on them, but these are the exact type of people who would come out and try to stand up for Rey Mysterio. Fine, give me that and have Brock destroy them too and get more over in the process. I am fine with destroying Hawkins and Ryder in this situation. And the B team. As long as it's right, yeah. I was trying to think of the equivalent on the babyface side of the B team. The B team are technically heels yeah, right now, but yeah, you know, it's that exact. No way, level Jose. You know, everybody right. just bring bring anybody anybody looking for the twenty four seven title at this point should be running out trying to help Rey Mysterio because they look up to him. Because that's the story in WWE as well is that every Hispanic wrestler, you know, who wears a mask. Or or whatnot. Looks yeah, no, particularly on Monday night, you know, it would have made the whole SmackDown angle, which we'll get to here with Kane Velasquez, so much more impactful. If Rey Mysterio had the backing of the person of color, but primarily Latino part of the locker room, the babyface side, and all of those people came out and they're like, we look up to this guy. Yes. This guy was a groundbreaker. He's important to us. You can't just beat up someone who is important both to wrestling as a profession, but also to us as people. Um, yeah, to actually have that so that when you have Cain Velasquez show up here with the tattoo of brown pride, like there is an overtone here of like, not like racial overtones in a negative way, but like Rey Mysterio as positive Latino cultural figure who is revered and Brock Lesnar completely disrespecting it. Yes, and and you know, if all these people respect him, including even Sasha Banks, who they, they invoke him and and Eddie Guerrero, more Eddie, but occasionally they they did Ray. But the Lucha House Party and Umberto Carrillo and people like that, I don't necessarily want to see them destroyed, but they should be backstage throwing a fit. As to how can you let this happen to a legend like Rey Mysterio? That oh, and all of them yelling at Shane McMahon would have been a very, very powerful yes, image. Something like that. You know, that's all I need is that second step thinking to make this show have a little bit of depth versus the moving on. We have an interview with Sarah, Sh- whoever in the back. You know, it's like okay, great, great. We're we're going we're going to cut to an interview where we're like where where Rollins comes out. Man, what happened there was bad. But, you know, and Ray, whenever you get back, we're going to have that title match. Ha <laughs> <laughs> And I got a title match, too, for anybody who wants it. It's just like, OK, you're, you're, you're now you're coming off like a bit of a jerk. I just think it makes uh, the other baby faces look like jerks. Did not love that. Is there anything else on Raw? Not Raw. I'm going to go move to SmackDown because okay. this was a show of uh, some importance. I think I liked all the matches I thought were kind of main event caliber matches. I liked the women's tag team match probably a little bit more than most. Minus the no reason four man match where they had the yes. teams of four on either side. But that was really clearly to set up the angle between Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury. But the actual match itself was really, really horribly worked. It was like the worst 
most abbreviated format of a WWE tag match. Yes. Where everyone immediately moved into their finishers. setup yeah. moves and finishers. Yeah. yeah. yeah that, that's all that is. Um, I liked the Tyson Fury, Braun Strowman. I love Braun Strowman just kind of with that crap-eating grin as Tyson Fury is losing it. And Ty- they have to bleep Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury's going to... Tyson Fury. He's basically. got a mouth on him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He, he has he has a way of saying things about the world yes. and observing things, as I have come to find out. But I'll tell you, before I knew anything about Tyson Fury, when I just saw him on my screen, I was like, wow, I don't know who that guy is, but he's clearly like a boxer or something. And they they gotten that over. He has star power about yes. him. Uh, but he also apparently has like a Conor McGregor-style mouth on him as well. Uh, worse than Conor, maybe. Um, but... The Braun Strowman, Tyson Fury, get these hands thing, that does feel like a mania caliber angle. I'm here for I can it. see why Vince. It. Yeah, I know. I, I can't say I'm not here for it. I am. Big bad men doing big bad things to each other. Yeah, I think it's going to be fairly physical, and I like that. Yeah. Um, I like I said, I liked I liked having the horsewomen do a tag match. They gave it an era of or an air of importance. Um, even though this was a go-home show for a pay-per-view, which we'll go over in a bit. Um, I liked the latter match for what it was. Shane McMahon, if this is his swan song, he went out being Shane McMahon, doing things that are insane for a man of his age to get a guy over, even though even though they always do this whole Shane's the real star and the guy in there is getting a rub because they're in there with Shane. I didn't mind it. I like that they tied it in also to uh, Kevin Owens kind of visiting the Reseda Legion Hall, which is being torn down starting this week. Um, that he had, la- they, they said this on the pre-show, and I think they said it right before the match, that he visited his old stomping grounds where he had a lot of ladder matches and stuff like that. And that, I thought that was cool, too. Yeah, I liked it. I still I can't get it. over the whole... I didn't love it. And, and the whole lawsuit angle where... Yeah. Kevin Owens left $25 million on the table to get vengeance on Shane McMahon does kind of feel like stupid babyface syndrome. I would never give up $25 million. No, no, no. There's some people I don't like, and and I even like a little bit of revenge here, Hawkins, but I'm not giving up $25 million for even my worst enemy. the best revenge is living well, and I can live real well on $25 million. (laughs) Yeah, and if you give me enough money, I can get revenge. Yeah, um... And and then the uh, and uh, because the the rest was kind of set up for hell in the cell stuff, but uh, the the final angle with Kane Velasquez. Oh man, um, you're gonna just do Kofi I'm, like that? And just well, completely was, blow by him. You know, there's some people yelling right yes. now. Oh, Jeff, no. you are stubbing Kofi yet again. No, They've I all was, been stubbing Kofi. Everyone's gonna, stubbing Kofi. I was gonna get to there through this Kane Velasquez thing, but but you snubbed. Are you? Where are you on how Kofi lost, Chris? Because I am not all the way over on the racial insensitivity angle. I think it definitely makes him look like a geek. Um, they never, ever, ever, ever got it with no. him. They never figured out how to do it with him. It's not that hard. They didn't even need to break up the New Day, although we pitched that too. There just needed to be an attitude change. Vince doesn't look at Kofi Kingston and see a star. Even a costume and change I think or a posture part change? Of that, or a part of that change. is race. Yes. Part of that is race. Yes. Part of that is size and physique. Um, it's also partly, let's be real here, and this is something that's on him. It's the promos. Yes. They're just not very good. Yes. Um, they're, they're okay. Uh, the one that he did before the match here felt like his heart was broken. Um, it, I mean, 
I know, I, like, look, it's a tough night for anyone to do, but like, just listening to him talk, it, it was hard because this clearly was not what he wanted to be doing. The man did not want to be doing, and this is embarrassing. And yeah, I, I do view it as racial insensitivity. I don't think there's any way around it. I understand... I understand the frustration among African-American yes. members of the audience, yes. especially when you go from Bobby Lashley on Monday to Kofi Kingston on Friday. If you can't put yourself in those people's shoes, you got an empathy problem here. Yeah, yeah I feel and, them. And the fact that he couldn't kick out a 1F5. You know, one. Sh- sh- just one. Seth Rollins kicks out of three or heart. four. Show some heart. Yes. That is what Kofi Kingston's supposed to that's have. His and he had none heart. It was ridiculous. His gimmick like, is 11 re- years That's of- another thing that really bothered me. Gimmick- as much as the yeah. Otis thing, the heavy machinery thing, I didn't think it would bother me so much. But to not have him kick out a one and have Brock Lesnar pick him up and do one more F5 to just cement the deal, ridiculous. His whole gimmick is 11 years of heart it took to get finally get a title match and they and they used it as a plot device that's what gets me is it it's it's just like on raw when he, they destroyed ray and dominic and just went moving on and acted like this has no emotional resonance he just picked him up pinned him and it's like moving on to the next angle and you're just like wow not only not only do you dismiss that entire title reign like that, you're going to have a hard time rebuilding him. I think you're going to... Oh, yeah, no. It, I mean, the whole title reign meant nothing. Like, like that. The, the ultimate sad part is it meant nothing, and we talked about how it was not consequential despite people wanting it to be otherwise, just because of the way it was being written, but to end it the way that they ended it managed to make it even more inconsequential. So for more news, Kane Velasquez, it appears, is going to be having a run with WWE. He of the one match really in AAA during <laughs> during their big show. He's going to need to work out a little bit more to be in WWE. Um, that's interesting to me because they're they're um, they're spectacle guys. He does not have a WWE body. Let's put. But it he that has way. an MMA body, and it's not that he's not unathletic. Um. And he did tighten up a little bit once the adrenaline started to course through his veins and he got into the actual engagement with Brock Lesnar. But when he came out, he did not exactly bah, pop off of the screen like Tyson Fury did. Yeah, if, if this were, well, number one, nobody really knew who he was until commentary put him over, I think, because it looked... <laughs> I thought Dominic had went Dominic, Super Saiyan. Yes, I, well, it's funny you say that, because I thought if this were 1985, that would be the angle is either Kane is Ray's cousin from out of town or Dominic hit the gym in the last four days. And this is Dominic angry and looking to get revenge. I could, if they had done that, I kind of would have had a little bit of a uh, can't knock, can't knock the hustle on trying to be that carny type of thing. I'm not going to lie. Kane Velasquez being presented on WWE TV as Dominic Mysterio, I think would get him over more. Yes. I think that or if they had just done um, <laughs> the you remember what they did with Cedric with the janitor angle on Raw where they put him <laughs> under a mask. <laughs> yeah, that got him over. Yeah. No, but if they had done the oh, I found a mystery luchador who's going to help me. And then he unmasks to be Cain Velasquez. 
Oh, that actually would be great. Yeah. Uh, people would be like, who is this huge luchador? Especially if, like, he came out and, like, walked by the lucha house party or something and you had, like, uh, yeah. No, oh, I hey, Ray, I called, there. Hey, yeah, Callisto comes out. Hey, Ray, I called my brother. He says he's going to be here to help. <laughs> Grand Metal League comes up and tells Mysterio <laughs> who who they got, but it's in the Metal League. <laughs> yeah, um, the stare down itself was fine because 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 look, Brock will take a beating, especially you know if 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 he he'll let you lay it in on him as long as you're willing to give it back to him. So I thought I have seen the Brock run scared yeah. initiation of an angle set up before though, and so that felt stale. And yeah, I, I obviously I had a bitter taste in my mouth with the Kofi Kingston yeah. thing and how dismissive they were of him. So you're still a little bit in shock of that. He's not even being shown on camera at this point, so it does kind of actually make Velasquez sort of, not intentionally, obviously, feel kind of like a heel or like that he's stealing a moment from Kofi Kingston when we should be there with Kofi Kingston. And then Brock and Heyman, yo, I'm going to go down and fight him. No, I'm not. I'm in your head. I'm in your head, but I'm also a heel. Like, eh, I don't know. It, it, it's not doing anything for me. Right. Um... The match could be good. This could be like a Braun Strowman Tyson Fury thing where big dudes doing physical stuff to each other. I'm keeping my mind open to the idea that I might dislike the angle more than I will dislike the match. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there because I could see I could see Heyman cutting a uh, problematic promo on Cain Velasquez in in some ways. I could see, you know. And look, Kane's had issues with cardio. So I could see that being an issue and working a match as well. So I could see I could see this going really well, or I could see this going horribly off the rails. Just like every episode of Shake Them Rope. But it's one of those things where it's like this is all stuff that feels like it would be happening in late January, early February, but it's happening at the beginning of October, which is interesting. Uh it means obviously- WWE is clearly responding yes. to the AEW thing. And I think the people who thought that WWE was just going to stay the course and do the same old, same old during this new Wednesday night war were not necessarily looking particularly closely at how Vince McMahon skippered the ship of WWF during the Monday Night Wars 20 years ago, they were constantly being reactive and constantly watching what the other product was doing. It's one of the few times where Vince actually intakes culture that's not his own, because normally he just thinks that you can get everything from WWE. And then he sees another wrestling show, and he goes, why is anyone else watching this? Especially if it's beating him in the ratings. 3.9 million viewers from 8 to 10 p.m. on a Friday night. That's They can hold on to 80% of that. That's a win. For Fox. That's pretty darn good. And the, some of the Fox production, I got to say, on balance, it improved the show. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I don't know about having like Aaron Andrews back there, but I think that was just a first one week thing because they were in L.A. and they had access to all this Fox yeah. news stuff. Um, again, we, we'll see how long the pyro sticks around. Yeah, too. We, we had discussed this when it was first announced. They have an uphill climb because Fox had made that a watchable ratings hit with the Tim Allen show that they had on there. So this looks like so far and it's only week one. So we have to wait till week four again. If they can hold on to this kind of viewership 
it looks like it's a good trade-off for them. So let, yeah, so let's, I, I think it's a good move. Yeah, Let's move on to the two NXTs. We'll get NXT UK out of the way. Uh, this was a nothing show. This was people, I, I mean, other than the Tegan Knox title match, which was okay. It was okay. I thought Isla Dawn actually had a nice showing here. Like, she had a good match for, compared to the okay. other stuff that we watched her have. I, it, I mean, it was a nothing match of little import, but I like her offense. I think she has good offense. It was a very Alexander Wolf heavy show. I liked I liked the promo with uh I like Ilya Dragunov. Dragunov. I like the idea of Ilya Dragunov going up against Imperium. I think long term like that's not a bad angle. I like Alexander Wolf getting some focus and emphasis and I do think that in terms of storytelling we'll see how much attention and focus gets given to NXT UK. I'll, I'll tell you what I really liked doing about like well, a, let me, let me, well doing an Alexander Wolf week and then doing a Bartell and Eichner week where we get like characterization and the plot moving through them one week doing a Walter week. Yeah. That's actually a nice little way of staggering doing a Gallus week. That's a nice way of staggering these episodes. I I just it is boring right now. There's no two ways around it. What I really liked about the Wolf promo is it was soft. And I think yes. there's a market for that with television. Because you can't do that on SmackDown Live or Raw or even NXT at sometimes. You can't play that kind of thing in a live arena. And this is what wrestling has been missing for a long time because that's how Jake Roberts got over in WWF. He just he was do on wrestling challenge and stuff. He'd do the green screen promos that were very soft spoken and very creepy. And then the and then the announcers or Sean Mooney or Gene Okerlund would be all creeped out by it. I love that Alexander Wolf is gonna be the creepy, soft spoken one of the of Imperium. Now, what he needs... He's the the dirty hand yes. of Imperium. And that's fine. I, I like that. They, no, I love that I, the, the recruitment match. slash threatening thing. Yes. No, the, the, where this now has to translate is he needs to be a little more slippery in the ring. Almost to the point where Walter doesn't like the way yes. that Wolf overtly cheats. He needs to be... Yes, he needs... This is this was our my original pitch. He needs to be the creepy guy that they're not sure of where... He says he wants to respect the ring, but really all he wants to do is hurt people in a sadistic way. And eventually it's going to come to blows where they're like, your style isn't the best. And maybe, maybe Eichner and Bartel side with Alexander Wolf against Walter in a few things here and there. Not necessarily a full turn, but look at how or maybe he's, he's doing. made an example of at some yes, point he, like the yes. long-term angle as we make an example out of alexander wolf and like that's not a great long-term leave for wolf but like might actually be the right move for imperium yes he's the guy who does not belong in this stable but they they bring him in and he dresses up and he tries to pretend he belongs in it, it it's a lot like um for a comic book corollary and just because the movie came out it's like when lex luthor and a bunch of smart villains get together and they bring in the Joker. And then everybody's like, what do we need that madman in here for? And, and you know, it's... It, oh, the Joker just sold his soul for a box of Cuban cigars as opposed to world power kind of thing. Right. Yeah. The, the classic Joker where it's a combination of brutality but also, like, absurdist comedy. Yes. And he's doing things for laughs and his own self-amusement. Whereas someone like the Penguin is much more greed oriented and therefore kind of classically rational. Yeah. There's something 
inherently irrational about the Joker's yes. quest for yucks. There's something, but like that is the purpose. There's something ill-fitting about Alexander Wolf being in Imperium, and that should be the tone. Where like everybody else looks good in their trench coats and the arms behind the back. It looks like he's trying to protect. He's squirming a little as he has. The he hands needs to always the be antsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The, the arms are kind of like pulling just a little bit. He fingers kind of just twitching just a bit as he's. You know, he's kind of looking pose. side to side. Like, are we really doing this? Come on, let's let's just get to the ring and kill somebody. Yeah, like why do we always do all these little ritual things? I don't get it. Yeah. Can't we just get to the fighting? Yeah. Exactly. No, we, we're we're both on the same page with how we'd like to see Alexander Wolf in this. And, yeah, I and, think so. And his match just did not. No, it was nothing. It was, it was nothing. Um, I, you know what I actually did like? I I thought that the Gallus angle <laughs> was kind of clever. Yeah. Like no, I I actually thought that it, I have no. It's not getting me. Wow, I can't wait to see this Gallus versus Flash Morgan Webster and uh, what was the guy? A bird, uh, Mike Bird. Can't wait, can't wait. But like, oh no, it was Jack Star. It was Jack Star originally because you always know Jack Star's gonna get killed whenever he comes right, down but the ring. They, but that was all set up to introduce Mike Bird. Yeah. Um. Yeah, which I actually liked, and I mean. In a classic wrestling booking sense, this felt like very 1988-1990, and I liked that retro vibe that I was getting from that. It's the opposite of of, there was a Pillman match. I forget who it was against, but he paid off the jobber to go go into the ring against his enemy at the time. It's the opposite of that. Here, we're just going to beat up the guys, and we're going to hope somebody comes down to save him. Yeah, no, I, I like this a lot. Um but nothing really else kind of stood out for me. I thought the Piper Niven match was okay. You know, I liked the Ginny angle backstage because Ginny's awesome. Um, but I don't understand it, it. The problem is this show seems so small after watching a two hour NXT that involves NXT UK people. AEW and NXT make NXT UK feel like TNA. Yeah, and 205 Live didn't even bother to tape a show this week because... I think we're done reviewing 205 Live well, they until they show this, that they're interested in doing it more. Well, yes, but they've also now officially made it the NXT Cruiserweight title. Oh, okay. On, All right, on so commentary, that, and then they made, 205 Live's just done. Okay. So this NXT show um, was awesome, I thought. I loved all the matches on here. I here here's here's my starting note. Finn Balor being back in NXT is great, but watching him being introduced here, it was a lot like at Mania last year when I went to see Tanahashi on the Rev Pro show, and he went out there and you watched him and you go, This guy is slumming it right now in this small outdoor. Well, how is he regions. supposed to go back to the main roster? When when you have the fiend up there that you have to push, that and and also just the whole thing with his interest. When you've seen a giant arena pop for Finn Balor and the whole throwing his arms up in the spotlight type thing, and then you watch him do it in full sail. Now the smart thing is this: he's going to be the kind of guy that gets NXT out of full sail and into smaller basketball arenas and stuff like that that's fine yeah they'll eventually be able to get into basketball arenas and do arena shows and get nxt i think nxt especially if raw and smackdown continue to feel the way that raw and smackdown feel 
I think NXT is going to have a very different energy about it in yes. the next few weeks here. Because and people I think don't Finn Balor is going to be fail. a big part of that. People don't want NXT no. to lose. That's the difference here. Is is they want both these companies, AEW and NXT, to succeed. There was a point where people wanted WCW to die. Yes. Or people WWE. were done with that. Or WWE, but like especially in the dying days of yes. WCW, I think people were very ready for it to die. Now, we had three title matches on this show. Uh, should they have switched one of these titles? To get some Yeah, buzz? but which one? I guess you have to women. beat Velveteen Dream. Women. I would have switched the women's title. Or, oh, women. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Not Velveteen Dream. I still think he's the Intercontinental Champion. Because you, you, you keep you keep the undisputed era story going. Yeah, you have to keep that going. Um, and because because I also think the long term angle here is an Imperium invasion of NXT US. Like that that British invasion angle, I think is going to be pretty sweet. Uh, but yeah, I think doing the switch over would have been good. Shayna, I love Shayna Baszler, but. It, they don't have a great story with her, and the fight and play thing has given her no value added. I would agree. I, I think it's one of those things where they're trying to have it both ways. They're trying to have fight and play be with her for backstage segments to give her that aura of, I have a gang behind me. And then every big match, she comes out alone, and she just beats somebody. And it's like, that's great. They're like the Riddler's henchmen, yeah, though. You don't want to see you don't want to see her get screw job finishes every time, but at the same time, every time she doesn't need those people to get over, it's kind of well. Then why does she hang out with them in the first place? And fight and play never do anything yeah. is the other part of the problem yeah. here. So I, I think it wasn't a bad idea to pair Shayna with fight and play, and fight and play could have elevated Shayna, but. When they tried, remember they actually already in ring debuted mm-hmm. fight and play too, and it didn't go very well. Yeah, because so, they, they beat uh, they beat EO and uh, Dakota, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah, it didn't go great. That wasn't a good match, and so that's the other big problem here is that they have never found a way to use them and make them feel like let's call them the other names of fight and play that what they were supposed to be the horsewomen. They feel miles away from the horsewomen. It almost feels like a punchline. So take us through the matches on this show, Chris. Okay, let me get up the card. What was the first match? Matt, Vamp. R- Matt, Vamp. R- Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole for the NXT title. Matt Riddle versus Adam Cole. What did you think of this match? Uh, I, I, it, it, <laughs> it was a style unlike WWE has done in a while because there was no. There was no damage done by any of these big moves. It was like you'd do a big move and I'd immediately reverse it into another big move. It was such a weird, awesome sprint of a world title match. Um, really weird to have it as the open to the show, bit. though. And that was my one, I think, formatting knock on this show is that I, if you're going to have the world title... The world title needs to be at the end of the show because it's the world title. I think you're actually doing yourself a disservice. I'm I'm interested in the psychology of this match because I think I think it would have been done Matt Riddle a bit more of a service if he had been a little bit more dominant in terms of damage with Cole kind of begging off here and there. Um because Cole is a super strong heel champion. 
in the vein of Ric Flair. But Ric Flair would also get overpowered and beg off from time to time before figuring out a way to win. He didn't need to weasel out a victory per se, but I, I would have liked Matt Riddle's MMA dominance to be more of a story in the match, I thought. Yes, I think it would have done, especially when you're going to have the thunder stolen from Riddle by Finn Balor. I think Riddle needs to have a much more dominating performance against Adam Cole, and Adam Cole gets essentially nearly a banana peel type of finish. Not enough where you go, oh, Riddle should get another match against Adam Cole, Uh, but something... Something where Riddle looks really, really strong coming out of this. Uh, yeah, and this is also why I would say I would have had this last, because I think the Finn Balor reveal is a great way to finish out the show. Well, they wanted to counter-program, so I, so I understand why they did it. This yeah, time. no, I get it. I get it. You want, you want to come off with a bang, but like, give me Finn Balor on one screen and Jack Swagger on the other screen and tell me which one I'm more interested in. It's true. I didn't mind the Hager reveal. Um, it's one of the things I got I, Okay, for. yeah. I guess I, I guess if Jack Swagger hadn't been one of the reasons why I sacked off doing Lucha of the Hidden Temple. <laughs> no, and, and also just setting up Finn Balor as the main guy for Adam Cole kind of gets... It gets a little bit taken away when you reveal Tommaso Ciampa as a as a uh, contender as well. So, I mean, you get the story of multiple contenders, but they never have been able to juggle that very well because they end up doing like three ways and stuff like that. As and Tommaso to- Ciampa and Finn Bauer are just going to get in each other's way. Yes. And I'm not saying that in a constructive way. I'm saying that more in a both of these returns feel less big because they're kind of jamming each other's storyline. Yeah. And if they if they do like a three way program here, they're just going to they're going to they're going to. Get diminishes rid of, things. They're going to get rid of those two and go, okay, we need somebody else now. Let's bring Gargano back. You know, that kind oh, of Oh, yeah. I could totally see a Balor, Ciampa, Gargano three-way match coming in the future, which will be a good match, but is also unnecessary. Yeah. Any one of these storylines is perfectly fine. So then we had Io Shirai versus Mia Yim. This match um, is what I switched over from AEW to, because I, I did actually, the way I watched on Wednesday night, I watched... AEW's open. I wanted to see what they opened up with, and then I caught the uh, world title match later on here, and I flipped over during Io Shirai and Mia Yim, and they had their work boots on. I thought it was a pretty decent match. I did, too. I I liked it a lot. I I liked Io's gear here, too. I liked the subtle... uh, The the switch over to more wrestling-style gear versus uh, leather pants gear I thought was a nice touch. Um, Yeah, and I thought Mia Yim looked really good in this, too. Uh, I thought she looked really good in this. Yeah, I I thought Io and Mia had a really, really strong match here. There's a a notion to kind of slag on Mia a little bit, especially in the uh, Shayna match, which is more of a story, but I thought Mia Yim looked quite good here. And as we know, I was actually on board with the Mia Yim story match, and... I don't know, man. If you told me Mia Yim was going to be the champion at some point, you wanted to get the belt off of Shannon Baszler and on Mia Yim, I'm into that. Uh, we obviously had to rebuild her. She's got to beat Io Shirai here. But I thought Mia, Mia showed me something during this match. I thought she did a good job. Johnny Gargano versus Shane Thorne. Man, uh, Shane Thorne in this gimmick, it's just... They they failed to launch this guy. There is a thing here with him being kind of bitter, but he just feels like a non-entity. And I think for the purposes of Shane Thorne long term, 
He needed to get like a count out victory or something over Johnny Gargano. You know what's funny is the most criticism about Thorne I saw on this was the change in his look, which I don't know. I kind of dug because in terms of the hair and everything, to me, he looked a lot like Joseph Connor. <laughs> oh, I no. Think, I think they both had, <laughs> no, you don't want to do both that. Had similar, well, they both have, well, they both had similar gimmicks, too. Which is they're both ignored and and all this other stuff. So you know, the one thing that's cringe on on Thorn is that ridiculous half long, half short jacket, which is just dumb looking. He looked like I mean, it, the gimmick does not or the the look does not enhance the gimmick. It looks like I'm going to play a pro wrestler right now, as opposed to a more serious. Focus. He needs to be guy. like a silent assassin yes. type of guy. He's Even coming Shaw through one. the crowd, yeah, all black. You know, maybe doesn't come through the main entryway. Yeah. Like comes not through the crowd either, but like comes in through the side. Like walks alongside the ramp and just enters in the ring. He's here. He's no nonsense. Yeah, I think the bitter man needs to be the focused man. Yeah, as as opposed to the bitter man trying to put on. Saxon Huxley gear to come down to the ring. Um, I disagree that this was his best NXT performance because there was a tag match. I think it was with the authors of pain where he was just, yeah, no TM six one were really good. Yeah. yeah like I'm, they, I'm that, let's Mary, not forget this, about how good they were. This is the best Joseph Connors has ever looked. I'm like, that was a good TM six. <laughs> you guys. just called him Joseph Connors. Or, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> Anywho, oh, um, this Shana match, Baszler had a match. No, shut up. Let's just move on. We're almost done. Um, <laughs> I thought this was a fine match. It's interesting that they decided to kind of blow off the feud after one match. But if it's going to put Gargano in line for somebody else, maybe a returning star. You know, there, there's a bunch of guys from WWE main roster they could bring down here at this point, and Gargano is perfectly adept to fight any the Shane Thorne thing did remind me of one little circle back point here's what I think needed to happen with uh Kofi and Brock in terms of a finish Kofi needed to beat Brock by count out if you want to get the belt off of Kofi at some point fine so be it but like Kofi needed to get not a pin not a submission over Brock Lesnar but just a win over Brock Lesnar I think that would have made a huge difference I mean he'd be a much in, in a much better place right now uh, I don't have anything more to say about Shane Thorne, but the whole they blew off this angle too fast, and Shane Thorne needed to get a countout victory over Gargano. He needed to beat on I, some I, more guys that in the tournament. Yes, no, he right. He needs to be winning. There needs because even if you're going to beat this person, this is why Thorne made me think of Kofi Kingston. Even if your plan is to beat this person down the line, you need to do something to give them some traction, mm -hmm. and Thorne has none. Yeah, he's back to square one. Exactly. Just like my friend over on SmackDown. NXT Women's Championship, Shayna Baszler, defeats Candice LeRae to retain her title. Uh, you know, I liked this, but Candice's character has not done anything for me on NXT. So while I like her as a wrestler, I don't feel any emotional investment at all in seeing her win the title. Okay. I, I thought... I thought they may have gone to this match too soon because I think the role should be maybe Rhea Ripley beats Shayna and then you get into a feud with Candace. I think that's the more traditional 
way to go about. But I thought that I mean I I think I think Candice LeRae, much like Johnny Gargano, has outkicked her coverage in terms of what they saw her as and what she could be here. Because I do think she could be the face of the women. She has star power. No, I agree with you. She has star power, but in terms of writing. No, dude, there's nothing to it. Like, no. like uh, she, I, I'm I frankly, I'm only- more interested in Mia Yim's character than I am in Candice LeRae. If you're talking about marketability, yes, Candice LeRae is more classically marketable, and she's a good wrestler too. Like, let's not also diminish that. But in terms of character acting, I've, I've it, not just her acting, but the writing for her character. They've given me nothing to hold on to. The most interesting version of her was when she was slowly turning heel. Yeah. And and either that or when she was full platinum and had the more bubblegummy pop music, which I think if they're going to go back to that, they should just go back to that all the way. And they're kind of ha- putting half their foot in the water here uh, in terms of her presentation. But yeah, I also don't think they've really invested in the Johnny and Candace as yes. the first couple of NXT storyline, which to me should be the countervailing narrative. It's so natural. you have these dicks. You have the Undisputed Era, who are these swaggering dicks. And then you have Johnny and Candice, who love each other and support each other. They should be ringside for each other's matches, never interfering in the matches, just out there to emotionally support and be there for each other You know, during the matches. We should really be getting over the love story, the marriage, the first couple of NXT versus these pricks. And then you have the mean girls on the other side as well. I mean, you could have an, a loose right. alliance with like, right. Shayna, and even to some respect, even though they haven't fully turned her baby face yet, Rhea, you know, all these... And they all hate Candace because they think Candace gets shots because she's, you know, connected with Johnny, but it's never, ever the case that that's what's happening. These write themselves. Um, Tag team match, I believe, was next, or did we have a squash in there? We had Pete Dunne versus Danny Burch. I liked this match. I thought this is a good little hard-hitting match. These guys work well together. Not a ton to it. Uh, You know, we're not even going to make Danny Burch tap out here. We're just going to hit him with the bitter end. Did you watch this? this. Did you watch this on the network or did you watch this on USA? I watched this on Nefarious Means, so it's all stitched together. Okay. Um, My problem with this was the awesome part was in the tiny screen during the commercials on the USA broadcast where the two were just smacking the hell out of each other. I, uh, Danny Birch and Pete Dunn could smack each other all day, and I would watch it for for three hours, and it would be the best pay-per-view of all time. I would love that. But yeah, it was... It was- and Damian Priest versus Pete Dunn is an angle I am into. They're okay. doing a good job with this show, setting the table for the next show. Coming into this week... People who are very emotionally invested thought that NXT was going to blow their wad on this show and not have a solid follow-up. That was the take last week. But it seems like NXT has found a way to have a big show and also set the table for the next few weeks of television to set up another big show. Ditch the Archer gimmick. I'm not into the Archer gimmick. He can just be like the out-of-nowhere badass. Yeah, I agree. Yes, With the cool voice who cuts awesome promos. That's all I want out of him. That's all I want. I don't need him to do, you know, archery on the ramp and stuff. That's just so, it's so main roster packaging as opposed to here's a guy who's just going to come down there and beat people up. That's all I want. That's all I want is simple, 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 simple. 
It would make so much more sense if his name was Damien Archer, too, right? Like, the, the Archer thing is kind of imposed on him. Like, there should be a sort of like a baptismal thing that he does or something whenever all right, he hits all right. his big the, but, but, but in our defense, if they had named him Archer, we would have been complaining it was too on the nose. Maybe, but like it would be hacky. But then this is also kind of unmoored from anything. Yeah. So this is you know, Becky doing straight fire and shooting an arrow. Like, like was it uh, the Pixar or the Disney movie that that uh, the red hair? Never mind. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. No. Whenever you say fire arrows, I'm thinking like you know Legend of Zelda or something. Maybe it's it's a generational thing. Let's let's get into the tag team champions at Undisputed Era versus the Street Profits. Um. You know, I they're going the wrong way with the Street Profits. I they they're not finding the thing. I was them. shocked that they're back on NXT officially. I thought they were going to be kept on Raw. I do like. Let's put it this way: that entrance with Wale, Wale, that was big. They overproduced the Street Profits, and they need to give these guys more control of the gimmick. I think they need to also do something with their in ring because this was the exact same also match. True. Yep. As the other one, all the same moves. The uh, the Angelo Dawkins comeback was the exact same thing. The peril. The first I don't ever feel it. I mean, I don't need Ricky Morton level peril from Montez Ford, but neither one of them are the good baby face in peril. Tez would be better at it. But something's just not connecting. I don't want to reach out and help them like Dusty Rhodes or something. No, and and to your your criticism of tag teams a lot of times, th- this was guys doing moves versus being a tag team. Yes. And that's, that's yeah. a problem that the Street Profits have. They have, you know, that electric chair spot, which is great. But they feel like, okay, here's where Angelo's going to do his spear tackle, his twisting clothesline into the corner it's far too padded and those don't require montez and that yeah. that's an important part of it like you know there needs to be the arm wrench and montez jumps over the ropes and hits an elbow on the wrenched arm those type of spots the street profits do a few perfunctory ones at the beginning of a match but yes it is a sustaining criticism i have of a lot of tag teams not just on this show but on other shows too is they don't feel like they're working together sometimes. And I'm fine when it's two guys like uh, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler who don't work together a bunch. But when it's someone that you have a team name for that is presented as a team that will be thought of as a team for the next two or three years, I do think it's important. And then Undisputed Era is good about it. Yeah. No, they're, they're a great tag team, though. I mean, they've been Well, Red Dragon's years. also Red Dragon, exactly. Yes. Uh, and as we stated before, Tommaso Ciampa ends the show staring down Adam Cole. I do too. I just, it's weird to have him and Finn Bauer at the same time, but we've already hit that note. Very easy to do a Hell in a Cell preview, Chris. You want to know why? There's no Because card. we just, oh, I thought we were going to just talk about Firefly Funhouse. No, I'm, there's, there's I, dude, that the work rate in that match on Firefly Funhouse, though, right? Like, oh, yeah, I thought, right. no, I thought Ramblin' Rabbit had the fiend. Four matches announced. Looks like they're going to fill this card out as they go along, which is anger-inducing in many ways. If you're going to sit down for a five-hour show, you'd like to know what you're watching. Um, But I think this will also all play into the draft, which is happening next week as well. So for the four matches, first off, Bayley, the champion versus Charlotte Flair for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. 
Chris, do they take the belt off of Bailey so they can move her to Raw, or do they put the belt on Charlotte so that SmackDown feels like a bigger deal? I think they're going to keep this divided lines thing where you have Becky and Charlotte, the uneasy alliance, and Sasha and Bailey, the uneasy alliance. And it's like, which friendship is more real? And I think that that's the money angle. So there will be two friends, one title on both sides for a while here. Well, we're being told that after the draft, but of course the draft lasts two weeks. So you can continue, you can move people back and forth, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I think um, I think they're going to eventually set up Becky and Charlotte for this title. But I don't know if it's time to take it off of Bailey just yet. I think Bailey wins probably by cheating. I don't know. I, maybe the Sasha Bailey thing is a little longer term than we realize. The the, the turning on each other part of the storyline is not coming anytime soon. Right. Uh, Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns taking on Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a tag team match. Boy, I'm not so sure whether or not Daniel Bryan is going to turn on Roman Reigns. It's hard to tell when Daniel Bryan talks on commentary like this the entire time. It was so subtle. For those of you who are old school fans or want to see a really cool angle, Google Dusty Rhodes, The Assassins, and Ole Anderson. Because that's the proper way to do this type of thing. I agree. It's going to eventually see, and I think they're going to do a match the whole time, which is just going to make it even more preposterous. The fact that Daniel Bryan was attacking Luke Harper so directly and like getting attacked by Luke Harper so directly is absurd. I, I, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be it's one of those, too far. It's going to be one of those things where I think Roman is on the outside and Daniel Bryan is doing it and he gets taken and Roman Reigns gets taken out. So Daniel Bryan can't tag. And then Daniel just decides the hell with Roman Reigns and they all beat him up. And you're just like, well, weren't you just fighting those two? I think the match is probably going to more go. Roman Reigns ends up being the baby face in peril, and we are trying to build up to the big Daniel Bryan hot tag, and that's when Daniel Bryan turns on Roman okay, Reigns. Okay, that's fine, too. I mean, there, there's a couple of tropes you can do here. You can also do the Roman Reigns accidentally hits Daniel Bryan, so everything goes out the window. Yeah, whatever. Or you, I mean, but the proper way to do this is the bell rings and all three of them beat up Roman Reigns. That's the only logical way to do this match in my opinion if if that's the end you want but yes and that's clearly the end they want yes. like you don't have daniel bryan sit in the commentary position and do that version of character acting unless you're trying to have him actually kill his babyface character forever or he's being a disingenuous heel becky lynch taking on sasha banks in hell in a cell uh i think this is going to be match of the night no matter what else they put on this card Sasha Banks is insane. She's the best of the female wrestlers in terms of star power, in my opinion. So she will want to do big spots, and she is willing to kill herself. We know this. Becky is going to be motivated as hell. Um, I do think there will be a little bit of contrivance. I think Bailey at some point is ending up on the top of this ring. I don't know why. I could just see them going, all right, Bailey, part of the story involves you having to climb this cage. I, I just, oh yeah, she's I, gonna run away from Becky, like something like Charlotte, that. Or Charlotte's gonna yeah, chase or Charlotte, her. yeah, yeah. Um, but I think overall there's gonna be a fun match, and I think Sasha Banks is gonna be your Raw Women's Top Champion. Interesting. So you think this the night ends with Bailey and Sasha, the heel friends, with both the titles? Yes, and I think they they're trying to find a way to move Becky over to SmackDown. Okay. 
I mean, I think that that's right. That's why you do the whole rock angle. She's going to be the face of SmackDown. Yeah. And she'll eventually take it from Bailey. Yeah, I think that's right. I think that's right. I, ba- ba- Bailey will be in on the run for a long time. It'll be fun. And finally, Seth Rollins versus The Fiend Bray Wyatt, Hell in a Cell for the Universal Championship. Can't wait. Going to be so good. Previous Bray Wyatt finishes have involved exploding monitors. I want holograms. Singing, singing children. Holograms yeah. of worms on the mat. I was in the audience for that one, Jeff. I was at that Dallas show. I was too. That was Mania. <laughs> there was another. Or there no. was another one though. There that was, was Orlando. no. That wasn't. No, was there was another one that they did. Another big hologram in oh, the you're ring right. angle you're right. thing. It was yeah, a house show. I, I was. I think. Yeah, I was there for that though. Okay. Uh, it wasn't. A, yeah, it wasn't a house show. No, or it was a, a SmackDown taping or something like that. No, it was a pay per view. Oh, was it? It was okay. a pay per view. Okay. Yeah, it was a cage match. The end of it was they did a hologram thing. Are we ring. giving the title to the Fiend Bray Wyatt? I think you have to. I, I don't know. These matches are never going to be good. And, like, I I get that people think that the Fiend looks cool, and he does. But the Firefly Funhouses are lazily written. I've gone over it. I kind of like this one more than the previous ones, but the Fiend and Bray dynamic is boring. There's no real connection between them. It would be much more interesting if Bray in the Funhouse was actually kind of scared of the Fiend. Um, this also would give you an interesting babyface pivot for that Bray Wyatt character at some point. I don't think that they've actually done a good job. Yeah, they've rolled out the Fiend, and the Fiend is good, but at some point we should be seeing, at least around the ring and stuff, normal sweater vest Mr. Rogers Bray as well. And like that should be part of the tension here. That like you have this monster guy, the Fiend, and Bray Wyatt. I this is it could be better. I'm never going to love it, but I right now it, it feels lazy, is the best way I can put it. And I don't think these matches with The Fiend are going to be very good. Yeah, he does the Mandible Claw now. What else does he do? I can't get to having both your main champions beat in 72 hours. I can't. That would just be... They they can plug the anything can happen in the WWE all they want, but people like strong champions. I know it's weird. People gravitate to the Yankees. People gravitate to LeBron James. People gravitate to the Golden State Warriors. People's favorite teams are usually teams that won a lot, like the Dallas Cowboys, which has or the Steelers, which both have histories of winning. If you beat Seth Rollins here, these titles mean even less than they ever have, and I just don't see that happening. Not that they're going to mean a lot if Seth Rollins wins, which is... A huge issue, but I I can see them doing it just for something new. But after beating Kofi the way they did, if if Seth Rollins goes in here and gets beat like a dummy, it's gonna it's gonna scream a huge issue for baby faces. I think Seth Rollins wins. That's you uh, think he finds a way to beat the fiend? I think the fiend ends up screwing himself somehow. And it turn and it's and it's not exactly he outsmarts the fiend. 
like Bray Wyatt and the Fiend, like like something. That would happened. actually be the right answer for the architect. The architect should maybe not get a dominant pin or submission on the Fiend, but find a way to trick him. Like they're gonna that do the something. Fiend's ruthless aggression plays against him. Yeah, but they're gonna do something contrived, like like of course speak, they are. Like speak to the Fiend's dual dual personality. Like he tears off the mask. And all of a sudden, he's not the fiend anymore. He's just Bray mm. Wyatt in the sweater. And mask. that's what. And that's, and that's what how they hurts. beat him. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Boy. So, anyways, um, if you wanted me to buy in, I think there's still some work to do. Well, you'll be able to hear my hot takes on Hell in a Cell if you tune into the Fightful after the show. After show, I'm doing going back to the old neighborhood to do a show with Sean Ross Sapp. So that'll be fun. I'll get Chris's thoughts probably on next week, or maybe we'll do a Patreon episode after I finish Fightful. If he has time to watch it, if he doesn't, uh, you know, whatever. He can he can get high and watch good wrestling. Um. <laughs> yeah. Guys, tune in over on the Patreon for another episode of High Wattage. <laughs> you can follow me at Crap Game 13 You can follow Chris at Chris Novembrino. You can just follow the show at Shake Them Ropes. The aforementioned Patreon is patreon.com slash shake them ropes, all one word. Also over on Red Circle, where we are at right now, there is a donate button. If you just choose to want to donate to us, all that money goes to us and it helps, you know, incur costs for editing and bandwidth and all those other fun things. Chris, in order to subside himself or subsist himself or subsidize himself, that's the word I'm looking for, also does another bet. Uh, bevy of various podcasts across various platforms of which he will tell you about right now yeah people seem to like those novcasts you can find don't worry.tv the institution on the internet over at don't worry.tv don't worry about the government is the name of that show find it on itunes and stitcher i think i got the name and the website reversed doesn't matter great website great show listen to them both or just the the podcast not the website Anyways, great plug. Did a nice job on that one. All in the Family Podcast is the other show that I do, and you can find that over at allinthefamilypodcast.com. At least you didn't say Joseph. <laughs> <laughs>